With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stories of Special Forces Operators podcast. Listen to some of the bravest and toughest people on the planet share their stories. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Well, today we have a very special show co-hosting with me is Tier 1 Operator and the co-host of The Collective, which you can catch on YouTube at 11 a.m. Pacific every day of the week. I'm not kidding you. Every day, seven days of the week. His name is Sean Taylor. Welcome, Sean. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for inviting me into this conversation, buddy. Thank you very much for being here. Folks, you might have heard him and Master Corporal Chance Burles in our last interview, but today we have somebody who's returning as well, but it's returning is Green Beret Ryan Hendrickson. He'll be here shortly, and we're going to be talking a little bit about his story. It's amazing, really. And then we'll be talking about resilience and a whole lot more. So before we get started, you know what to do. Share, subscribe, hit that like button, and join us now as we go into the green room, talk a little bit about resilience before Ryan gets here. So, Sean, resilience is something that's kind of interesting. There's two things I always see in the world of trauma that you don't see a lot of, I guess. Let me phrase it that way. And two of the things I don't see is usually protective factors, which is usually the opposite of a lot of the factors that cause problems. And some you can control, some you can't, obviously. But And then the other one is resilience. And this is the one, I guess, we'll be talking a little bit about today. And we'll probably cover a little bit of protective factors, too, because I like to explore that. And I'll probably ask Ryan what he thinks. Something ha- What happened to him during his development, during his early years that might have helped him be so resilient and what he overcame. But what do you think about resilience? Well, before I uh, give my opinion on resilience, which which is a great uh, topic to discuss, I'm curious as to how you would define protective uh, measures or protective uh, portions. I, I'm assuming coping mechanisms to some degree, or or how would you define that? Yeah, protective book, uh, factors would actually, uh, how would you say, increase the efficacy of coping mechanisms. I always say there's three things I might have told you before, coping mechanisms, support systems, and resources. Right. Resources are the easiest now, thankfully. 50 years ago, it was a lot harder. So we'll just stay focused on trauma, for instance, trauma, PTSD, whatever it may be. And resources a lot more now. So if you're a victim of domestic violence, there's shelters, if you're a PTSD, there's places to go. Um, re, uh, support system, that's the hardest. We'll get to that in a second. Coping skills are the one usually therapists will help you with. If not, parents can. Um, if they if they've raised you accordingly, and I'll talk about that in a minute for the protective factors. But um, the third one, support system, is the toughest one. Is do you have those friends that really count? We you talked about this on the collective mm-hmm. about the social uh, connection, engaging with individuals. But it's not just simply engaging with somebody. It's actually somebody who really I don't care what you tell me, Sean. I'm still your friend. Right. We all have something, and those aren't that many. That's true. Yeah, you tell somebody something and. All of a sudden, shit, this guy's going to turn on me or she is or whatever it is. And then they're going to turn and or they're going to look at me differently now. And that's a problem. 
that's not really an unconditional type of in Christianity he likes to use unconditional love, for instance, as God. Mm-hmm. And for human beings, we tend to want that. Even as children, we want this unconditional love from our parents. And I think that's where the protective factors, one of the protective factors is having parenting, good parenting. This could be single moms. I know people are going to say, oh, does it have to be both families? It doesn't have to be. It's much easier if you have both parents. Um, But those are one of the major protective factors. Teaching them is one of the key things about parents. So if if they get a phone call and they're upset about something, how does the parent handle it in front of that four or five-year-old? These are early lessons that they start learning. Well, dad's flipping out and yelling. He's smashing things. He's hitting mom. Whatever it may be, that's not protective. But if dad says, you know what? Stuff happens. Take it as it goes. Go with the blows. Roll along with it. We learn from our mistakes, son. Learn from this. Da, da, da. And they start explaining things. One of the things that bugs me the most, Sean, is when you see parents sometimes at a grocery store and the kids throwing the cereal box all over the place and the parent yells at them not to do it and then grabs them and takes them away. And I'm looking at it going, but you didn't tell them why. <laughs> you didn't tell them it was because kids to think maybe it's just cereal boxes. I'll just grab the oatmeal box and throw that. He has no idea what the heck is going on. So if there's no understanding of why you don't do this because this hurts other people. This is why you don't smack other kids in the head when you're five. That says something. So protective factors are that. Um, uh, good moral values taught by the family, love, uh, staying away obviously from substance use. So that's going to be another one. It's the opposite, really, of anything that's going to lead into making the individual handle trauma effectively. Because trauma well, is good, go ahead. That's a that's a good uh, that's a good lead in for an idea that I've been considering recently. I didn't know that uh, I haven't really considered it in the way that you just put it across, but it's something that I'm actively pursuing with the collective. And so to your point, if if someone never learned how to do these things when they're a kid, which I didn't, I wasn't, I, I didn't learn these things. I wasn't taught these things. I didn't know how to do uh, these kind of things well, but I've, I've started to learn how to do them better. I, I now do it better. I, I feel, uh, and it's, we're trying to demonstrate it over on the collective and i i know this this is not a shameless plug i had no intention of uh, talking about the collective per se but um we're trying to demonstrate how to connect with humans on a deeper level now how to communicate in a more effective way so that we can feel the love for each other uh to some degree and if we weren't getting those connections in our childhood we can get those as adults but you've got to you've got to go find the right places to get these connections. And I'm not talking about connections on a shallow level. I'm talking on a much, much deeper level where you allow that person to express themselves. And then through that expression, you can dive deeper into those expressive moments. I feel that uh, it's really powerful when you can connect with people who not only care, but um, it's a communal caring So uh, a one-on-one sort of situation can be powerful, but a group connection, I feel, is much more powerful. So again, back over on to the collective, we're really trying to connect on a deeper level as humans. It's a powerful thing. Absolutely. I think it's great that you bring that up because, again, folks, I feel like the collective and I are connecting in different ways, and it's it's really funny. So I have no problems. And you know, before I I plugged other podcasts as well, but I think it's a great podcast because it generates conversations for me. It makes me seek out other individuals and maybe vice versa as well. For sure. Really we're, cool show. 
we're we're really benefiting from uh, hanging out with you. As I'd mentioned to you just before we went into this uh, recording, I really appreciate the uh, the depth of knowledge that you bring uh, on a technical level, but also you've spoken to so many people on so many subjects at a deeper level that you have an innate deep wisdom within you that is a uh, multifactorial combination of uh, all of your stories that you've listened to and all of the relaying of information to a variety of individuals. You need to listen and talk to so many people over the course of your life that to become better. Uh, and you have done that uh, not only through your professional career, but in your own personal time through podcasting. To, to communicate better and to listen better, you have to do it more. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And you know what's one of the interesting things I always tell the students is that I, I found out over the years that human behavior is everywhere and every discipline that they look at it differently. And that's why I got so involved in so many podcasts because there's behavioral economics that look at how we behave with money and that varies and how we anthropology, sociology, criminology, and then this world psychology. And you have different levels of that. And it's sports psychology as well. There's just so many facets of understanding human behavior. Even physics gets in the way. Everybody joins in the game, right? Chemistry, physics, <laughs> nutrition, everything plays. So for me, it's been a wonderful journey just to be able to talk to people and learn just like yourselves. And the show is interesting because I get more of a, um, almost like a qualitative study. I get a bunch of people that I can listen to, hear their mm. stories, see how they're viewing the world. Yeah, it's not a research study, like a quantitative one. You're not getting a controlled study, but still, I get to hear the anecdotes that are coming out. And how's, like, Tanya, for instance, a very insightful individual? I know Agreed. she's doing something. <laughs> she's up to something. She knows something out there. She's been doing research, and she's passionate about topics. Seb's another one we talked about before. He has a lot of insight, too. Um, so back to resilience, I've always liked the... the uh, the simple definition of bouncing back, the ability to kind of bounce back from a situation. And I grew up, I'm a little younger than you. Um, it looks better though. Yeah, I'm a little younger than <laughs> you, but I remember uh, listening to, or watching actually. Sorry folks, I unplugged my own mic, so hopefully the quality is better now. Sounds tight. <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't do much with editing around here. Um, <laughs> Well, Rocky was one of my first experiences with resilience. Uh, I know everybody's probably seen the movie, or a lot, most people at least listen to this podcast, depending on where you're from. But even other countries have, have caught up now, have watched a lot of them. Um, but the, the ability of him to come back from Apollo Creed, the ability from a guy to come from nothing to, to go so, somewhere. And we've seen it constantly in the MMA, in boxing. And um, that, to me, takes a special quality of an individual because there's a difference there between them and other individuals that are not champions is that ability to say, okay, I got knocked out, but I got to get back up and I got to get to my goal somehow. And however that is, I don't know. What do you think about that? Did you like Rocky? I did. I did. And as you mentioned that movie, I was already uh, preliminary considering how I would best uh, uh, use an example. Rocky didn't come to mind, but it was uh, a combination of no movie came to mind. It was just simply a combination of the observations that I've had throughout my life of other individuals, real, real humans on our planet, uh, not actors, even though the movie Rocky acts as a great uh, uh, representation of all the humans out there on the planet who are resilient. And I think uh, the first 
thoughts that come to mind are breaking it down into the individual domains of, are we talking physiologically re resilient, mentally resilient, emotionally resilient, or are we talking about all three as the perfect uh, multidimensional uh, combination of resilience? It's a really interesting uh, question. So which one would you like to speak about first? Actually, you know what? We're going to stop the green room, folks, and we're going to bring in our guest. In oh, fantastic. Second. Welcome back, everybody. Where our guest is here, Ryan Hendrickson. I mentioned him earlier. The book is called Tip of the Spear, the incredible story. And I'm not kidding. It really is. The incredible story of an injured Green Berets returned to battle. This is a story that uh, really defies the odds. <laughs> you just don't hear what happened to him, and he just goes back to battle. Um, amazing story, nonetheless. You can learn more about him over at Tip, the, Tip of the Spear, the book. Great book. You can catch him also on Instagram. I'll actually, I'm going to have to ask him his handle on Instagram because I don't have his handle on. But we'll get to that in a minute. Also, check out line, landmineremoval.org. Landmineremoval.org. You're probably wondering what that is. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Let's not waste any more time. And welcome to the show, Ryan Henderson. Welcome back, Ryan. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me back on. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for your, what you're doing as well in the Ukraine. I mean, that's uh, mm -hmm. extremely honorable. Maybe we'll start off with that. Tell us a little bit about landmineremoval.org because that's right now you've been doing this for what is it almost a year? Um, over a year. Yeah. Over we year. um so I started going over to Ukraine last March. Um the mission there was um to evacuate civilians out of areas that the Russians were moving into. Um as the uh, Russians started to uh move east, um civilians started going back to their homes and hitting uh landmines, booby traps, um, explosive devices and stuff like that. So yeah, as you know, as, as civilians started to come back, um, to kind of survey the damage, see what's left of, um, their livelihoods, they're, uh, they're getting, you know, they're getting hit and, um, from what we call the leave behinds or the, um, you know, just the, the landmines and all that other stuff that the Russians put out there to slow the Ukrainian forces down. Um, it's, it's, you know, pretty, pretty typical where, Hey, we're, we're, we're moving East now. We're going to mine everything in our path to slow down the, the, um, the counteroffensive or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the pursuit, I guess, for lack of better words. And, um, but in the end it's, you know, civilians get caught up in that too. And so there was a lot of casualties being taken and that's when, you know, I, I decided I was going to try and help out as much as I could there last, um, April and May. And, um, you know, just from my background as a, um, 18 Charlie, uh, special forces engineer, um, I've definitely found, uh, my fair share of IEDs and mines in Afghanistan. Um, so I decided, you know, just for, um, first, uh, first thing I was going to do was, was awareness for the children. Don't grab this. Don't touch this. If you see this report, this stuff like that, trying to keep these kids safe. Cause you know, um, uh, PFM one butterfly mine looks, looks like a fun toy to play with. And then, um, that's, then that's it for your, your hand or your arm or whatever. So it started off as awareness and then training. Um, a lot of the Ukrainian forces were, um, not really sure how to use handheld detectors, um, sweeping techniques, clearance techniques, stuff like that. So, um, I kind of moved into that when I had time because I was also simultaneously working with a missionary group, 
um, bringing food and medical aid out to uh, areas that uh, the Russians have just left. And so we were, we would go in and try and help them out the best that we could. Um, so, and then from there it turned into, okay, yeah, I can, I, I can train these guys, advise them in a system. So um, I went home in uh, middle of May and then I came back in August and I linked up with the group and we started doing, um, we started doing um, battle area clearance um, in farm fields. So the farmers could, you know, get back out there, start cutting harvest and stuff like that. And um, so basically, you know, I did what Green Berets do best, um, trained up a group of Ukrainians um, and then advised them on the minefield and assisted them on the minefield. And then all the equipment that I brought over, um, I donated it all over to them. And, um, you know, that that was when I realized, like, yeah, I can I can actually do this. I could do the train, advise, assist, um, bring over um, detectors, remote pull equipment um, safety equipment, medical equipment. I can, I can bring all this over. I can train these guys up on it. I can go and demine with them, which is my way of vetting the unit, making sure that they are going to actually use the equipment for humanitarian demining. And then I donate it over to them. Um, that gets me out in the minefield. I get to have some fun too. And, um, we, um, and we're, we're pulling landmines and, and, um, you know, we're, we're making areas safe for uh, the the civilians so they don't have to worry about their next step or, you know, that, that tractor, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, rolling over that mine and, um, and stuff like that. So that turned into the uh, 501c3 tip of the spear landmine removal. And um, yeah, I went back again, November, December, um, to uh Hearson region and then April to July, um, or I'm sorry, April to, um, late June, I got home, like, I think the 28th of June, 29th of June. Um, but, um, and all that was up in Kharkiv, uh, region and just, um, landmine removal, <laughs> doing, uh, doing, um, some, some good work, helping some people out, donating some equipment and, um, and yeah, having some fun. So let me remind everybody again, it's landmineremoval.org. I think you're uh, downplaying how important the work is that you're doing. I mean, to me, it's completely amazing that I haven't ever seen anything, I don't think, um, on any major news network about these landmines being left behind and innocent children and innocent mm -hmm. people just being victims to this is incredible to me. They talk about a lot of other stuff, but this is another one that should have been highlighted too. I, I guess my first question before I hand it over to Sean is – well, you and I, first of all, have different uh, um, definitions of fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Imagine if I was going to have some fun to get out there. It's like, all right, Ryan. Um, but what motivated you really? What was the, the impact that it had? Was it all your years as a Green Beret? What was it that said, I got to get out here and help these people? So the the number one motivator for me was the fact that I've I've stepped on a I, I stepped on an IED in Afghanistan, and I know the pain, and I know the um, life changing circumstances that come comes after um, a fairly traumatic incident like that or or um, situation, I guess you would say. And um, so as I'm, you know, as I'm seeing and I'm, I'm hearing reports and civilians, uh, mainly, you know, children, um, whether it's Afghanistan or Iraq or Ukraine, 
Um, but that's, you know, ch- children don't need to go through that. Um, I mean, nobody, nobody needs to, but especially children, they don't, they don't need to have their lives, um, you know, basically, um, destroyed or, or changed catastrophically changed through, through a landmine. Um, I think destroyed is the wrong word because you could, you could, you know, be, you can make your, you, you could do a lot of great things in life, um, regardless of the situation, injury or circumstance that you're under. So destroyed was the wrong word, but a catastrophic injury like that, it changes your life. And especially when you're just a kid and you're trying to, you just want to go out there and play and be a kid in this warm, you know, in this war torn country. And, um, and, you know, you have, I mean, there's, there's just tons and tons and tons of instances of kids stepping on anti-personnel mines, picking up those PFM one butterfly mines. And, um, there's not a lot of reporting about it because it's, it is, it's the ugly part of war. And, um, and, um, people don't have the stomach for it. People don't, you know, the, it, 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 it's just, it's heartbreaking, um, especially when it comes to the children. But, um, yeah, that was, that was my drive to, to get over there and do what I was doing was because, I mean, it goes back to September 12th, 2010, when I stepped on my, you know, IED and, um, it changed my life forever. And I know that I could have, I could have, I could have become a, I, I could have became a victim of it and, and, you know, you know, um, let that IED become, you know, who I was and, 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 you know, be, you know, and, um, and let that IED, you know, my, I never, you know, I could have been victimized and never left September 12th, 2010. I could have, you know, that, that could have been me for the rest of my life. But, um, and I headed down that path for a while, but I chose, I, I chose to use that situation and, and those dark times that I went through and the mental struggles that I went through. Um, I chose to use all that to, to make myself stronger, but not for myself, but to, but to help other people. And, um, and as I continued to help other people, it gave me more strength and, and, um, and, and that purpose, that purpose that I needed as, as a veteran that worked at, you know, a, a, a certain level, um, and um, then I got out and it's like, who is Ryan Hendrickson? What, what, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? I, I, I don't even know who I am right now. And um, I, I found it in Ukraine and it, it was, it was, it was helping people. So yeah, that, it all just kind of came together for me. Um, and yeah, it's that, it's that higher purpose of, of helping other people with a little bit of danger, a little bit of excitement. And um and yeah, it's, uh, that's, that was the ticket for me. So, and you're helping people, especially kids. I can see it was definitely personal. Sean, I guess it's a good segue to you. Well, holy moly. I think that what uh, Ryan just dropped there is so legit. I've, I've heard it in a variety of different ways from a variety of different veterans that I've spoken to, but it's almost, uh, categorically picture perfect, uh, stated. And, uh, I, I mean, I'd love to ask questions and I'd love to add more, but I mean, that was such a freaking mic drop. Uh, I'm not even sure to where to go with it. <laughs> no, I get it. He covered a lot of territory in a hurry. Um, is there no questions then? Want me to go for it? No, no, not at all. I, okay. I, I, well, I suppose I do have one <clears throat> if I, if I'm going to add some nuance to it. Uh, Ryan, now that you have um, formulated what works best for you, and uh, mm-hmm. you're you're demonstrating 
the resilience and the results that that are making you happy. Uh, how best are you? Have you started to engage with other veterans in a way to expand that awareness or to demonst- demonstrate your path is a good path and have other veterans pick up on or traction up on that uh, that path forward? Yeah, all the time. I mean, mental mental health is huge with me, um, especially the crisis we have going on um, in the United States, England, Canada. Um, Australia, mental health and the way that I'm not, I'm not going to go into how we left Afghanistan, but it does segue into um, a lot of the mental health crisis we have going on right now. Um, I do. I, I, I talk to veterans and, and, and first responders, whoever's going to listen. Um, I, I do talk about having that purpose. And but the biggest thing is there there's a lot of tough love that goes with 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 taking charge of your mental health and that tough love is um nobody owes you shit um and 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 so and what veterans have a you know what what they have in let me let me see how i say one of the issues that i see veterans having right now is a sense of entitlement because of their because of the you know their service to this country and so you'll and you'll hear it you you know i served the country i protected your freedoms your way of life you know filling all filling all the blanks that you want so what happens now is veterans become you know and i'm not saying all veterans but i i see this trend in the veteran community is that there's this sense of there's this sense of um, entitlement that turns into a victimization, and that victimization is when your entitlement when your entitlement void you know that that hole in you that can't be filled by anybody but yourself. But it's this entitlement void when you can't get that filled. There's no thank you for your service at Applebee's that's ever going to fill that void. When when you can't get that void void filled you become a victim of it nobody understands me nobody respects what i did they don't know what i've done for them and then you become a victim of this entitlement um and it's not just veterans the united states is full of victims oh my gosh watch the news but um you become a victim of your perceived entitlement of what you think you did for everybody around you or the level that you operated at. You have no idea what I've done. Well, of course they don't. They weren't there. And even if they were there, they weren't you. So then you become a victim of it. And as you become a victim of it, you start to push people away and people will try and rush in to help you. And you'll push people away, push people away, push people away until you're all alone. And then that's when that's when veterans are making really, really bad decisions. Um, And because they're trying to fill that entitlement void in their life with that quick fix. And that's usually alcohol, drugs or something else. So um, that's what I talk to, um, you know, people about is you you have to take control. Um, there's a lot of help out there, but nobody is going to hold your hand um, all the way through the process. You have to take control of your own life. And the best way to take control over your life is to find that higher purpose. Who are you? What can I do? And usually, um, in my experience, there is not a lot of fulfilled people out there that have just focused on me. It's usually people that understand the we over me. And um, once you understand that, you know, helping other people and, 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 and making yourself vulnerable, n- not being afraid to fail, try new things and get out there and find what your purpose is. 
that's when you start to heal your life. And that's when you start to, you know, you, you start to um, fill that entitlement void. And, and I mean, to me, people say, is there a cure for PTS? And I say, yeah, there is find a purpose that's bigger than yourself and go and help people. That's the cure. Um, but no, I do. I, I reach, you know, if, if, if someone wants to listen, um, I'll, I, I could talk to them about it, but, um, a lot of the times it's, you know, it's, what are you doing to help yourself? You know, I, I, I got it. You're calling me all the time with this issue, this issue, this issue. What are you doing to take care of yourself? No one's going to do it for you because guess what? As much as you think you're owed something, you're not owed shit. It's just the facts of the matter. Nobody owes you facts of the that. matter. And uh, you're like a uh, younger, smarter version of me, I think. Because <laughs> what, what you just said is what I say all the time. You crystallized it so well. Uh, so thanks for that. Now, I understand the main theme of how to get someone moving generally tends to be you got to give some tough love. And mm-hmm. uh, if they're not willing to do it for themselves and if they do genuinely want help, it it it's usually a bit of a rocky road. They have to be prepared to get some tough love. So uh, have you found an effective way to uh, obviously you calibrate yourself to the individual? You you mm-hmm. don't go in with a, a chain mail fist and uh, punch everyone straight in the face, uh, even if you don't right. know them. Uh, so uh, obviously you move your tough love around a little bit. But have you found a. a I don't want to say the most effective way, but a more effective way that will hit the general population. Yeah. Through my actions. Uh, beautiful. I, oh man. I, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I could mean, just leave. What is even going on here right now? You're reading my mind or what? Yeah. People, you know, I mean, if you, if you want to, if you want to, um, I guess, see why I, wh- why I say the things that I do and why I guess you can say preach the way I do look at it through my actions, look at it through my past. I mean, there was a time in my life that I, I definitely could have been one of the 22 a day easily because I didn't take control over my own life. Everybody else owed me something except for me. Why? Because look at what I did for you. Look at all this. You know, I was a green beret, blah, 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 blah. And the list goes on. I didn't take responsibility over myself. I thought I was owed something. Until I finally got to such a low place in my life that it's like, if I don't change, I'm not going to make it. So it's not like I'm preaching because I'm holier than thou. I'm not at all. I've been there. And it's not like I got this revelation and I wake up every day and and every, every day is fucking great. It's not. I continue to fall on my face and I continue to fall into self-induced pitfalls and I have pity parties and then I drag myself out of them. Yeah, it's life. Life is hard and life could be ugly and life beats you down. And it doesn't, re- it doesn't matter all the great things you've done. And it doesn't matter how many people you've helped. Um, none of that matters. Life is still going to hit you with right hooks um, all the time because it's life. And once you understand that, and once you understand you're not owed anything, and once you understand that helping people, it, it is, it is extremely therapeutic, then life starts to make sense and it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And then the next time you fall flat on your face, it's a little bit easier to get up. I, yeah, I don't know. At least, I agree. At least that, for no, me. That's, that's precisely how I run my life. That's precisely how I try to explain it to people. There is no, there is no easy path. And if you're mm-hmm. on the easy path, you're on the wrong path. And so uh, uh, life can be hard 
and engaging in that hard path is the only way to move forward in a positive manner. Man, I I was in phases of my life as well where, as you've described, some pretty low lows. And in order to look out and see a a brighter, sunnier, more colorful world, it takes work. And Mm -hmm. so obviously, in order to explain that to someone or, or line it out for someone, you've got to have been there. You can't do it from a book. Uh, you've got to do it from worldly experience, which obviously you have. So when someone pushes back against your, um, not your message, but your wisdom, uh, do do you just shrug your shoulders and walk away, or do you do you take a different tact, or or how do you uh, uh, face those kind of moments? Um, I'll I'll be here when you I'll, I'll be here when you're ready. All right, nice. You know, right? I'll be here when you're ready. But there. Um, People need to understand there, there is something extremely therapeutic about understanding we over me. There is not a lot of me's that are happy in this life, even regardless of how successful they are, regardless if they think they're at the top looking down and they're looking down on all these people that they think are less than them. And they are happy and content and fulfilled because they believe in the we over me. Um, but no, you can't force anything on a person. The minute you become so invested into that person's misery, you're going to, you're going to get drugged down yourself. You, when you, when you're, when you're dealing with people and and the mental health, the best thing that you can do besides being understanding and having that tough love, you do have to take charge of your own life. No one's going to take charge of it for you. But the best thing that you can do is to make sure that you remain mentally healthy and happy or else because you can't help anybody out regardless of the great speeches you give on you know on whatever podcast it is you're not helping anybody out if you're miserable yeah i agree mm-hmm. so I, I i i i can't i don't entertain it i just hey man i'm you know i'm here when you need me i'm here when you need me that's a great you know? reply because you got to stay mentally healthy yourself you have to yeah, because in order very, in order to fight the good fight, easy. you've got to be prepared to fight the good fight, and the only way to do that is be good for yourself first before we can go out and help others. But I, it's a it's a tricky balance, and your your it is powerful to, um, be part of the we. It's his, it is powerful to be part of the big team and want more for the big team. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you've got to look after yourself. I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm speaking to anyone who's listening. You need to mm-hmm. look after yourself to be strong for the we. And and finding that right balance is a little different for everyone. Would you uh, Would you think? Well, I, yeah, no, absolutely. But um, the 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 biggest thing people need to understand about um, taking control over their life is it is extremely easy to be a victim victimization is one of the easiest things to do. It's everybody else's fault, but yours. This is the reason why I am the way I am. It's because of you guys being a victim is simple. You have to understand that because taking control of your life is hard. It is very hard to be, to, to take control over your life and to actually um, own it, own your decisions, own your mindset, own it and actively try to help yourself. That's, that's extremely difficult. What's really easy is becoming a victim. That's why we have so many victims in America today. It's simple. Well, it's the same up here in Canada. And uh, funnily enough, 
Um, I'm up at a drop zone right now. Uh, I'm I'm about uh, nearly a thousand kilometers away from my hometown. I'm out here mm-hmm. with my son, and uh, the drop zone that I'm at is it's a gathering for this whole week of veterans. And last night there was a mental health talk uh, by a mental health professional, we'll call it. And uh, as he was describing, and I fully agree, uh, the biggest problem out there is a lot of veterans are really angry. At everything else but mm-hmm. themselves, they're ang- they're they're eager to point the finger at the guy down the street, the guy on the TV, the guy on the commercial, the guy at the car wash. It doesn't much matter. It's everyone else's fault. They're angry with everyone, not giving them the respect, not giving them the nod, not giving them the free coffee, whatever it is. They don't feel like uh, the world is giving them what they deserve. When it's quite the opposite, you deserve nothing. What you deserve to do is give more of yourself for the team. And the moment that you can shift the anger away from the world and shift the focus into your own internal world, that's the moment that you can start to get a little bit better. Stop laying the blame elsewhere. Start looking at your own feet and lay the blame right there. You don't have to be really tough on yourself, but it is tough love over a period of time. I think that mm-hmm. the responsibility that we all have is to own up to our own nonsense, get right with the program, and then start delivering more good out into the world for the team. Yep. Entitlement is very, very dangerous. It is very dangerous road to go on. And it's very, once you become so entitled, it's very hard to undo it. Trust it's me. True. It is true. And uh, by the way, one way to uh, improve in that area, or one way to to uh, uh, modify that uh, that habit or limitation or mistake is is just to hang out with cool people. Go find cool people who look not who fake happy, but are putting out good into the world. I I don't take much interest in people who are happy in their own tiny little lives. I take interest in people who are happy by being a big part of other people's lives like yourself as you've just described and uh over the last 24 hours of me learning more about you that's what i see uh the one of the more recent videos that you put up i believe there was a bunch of line landmines in the back of your vehicle as you were uh, moving around and i just thought like you know who who drives around with a pile of landmines uh, uh, whether they're inert or not who does that that's a guy who's in the game of working for the team he he ain't in the hobby of uh transporting landmines he's in the hobby of doing better for the world and that that is the distinction between the victim mentality you're either in it for yourself or you're in it for the team Mm -hmm. yeah no that was a that was a crazy day and i'm really glad we found them all on that route because uh (laughs) we drove it so (laughs) by the way folks again it's landmineremoval.org landmineremoval.org the name of the book is tip of the spear the incredible story of an injured green beret return to battle i get the funny feeling folks we probably have another book in the making here sooner or later in the upcoming <laughs> years right ryan you get the funny feeling uh, i don't know it's <laughs> the first book was hard enough so <laughs> you know i have a couple questions for you you had a great mm-hmm. conversation it made me think between you and sean <clears throat> i guess the first one uh, this is not really a question it's a statement you mentioned earlier both of you have mentioned you have to take care of yourself before you can help others and this is actually something we always tell therapists before you work with somebody with trauma that you have to be able to deal with it. Because some individuals mm-hmm. haven't resolved their own trauma and then they go and work with somebody, but they can't deal with it. So if they've been abused or something of that sort and they work with somebody else who has, it doesn't work well. 
it overwhelms the therapist and then nobody's benefiting out of that. So that was interesting to see that comparison. But I guess the other question I had for you, I have two questions. I'm trying to figure out how to organize this. But let me start off with this one. That discovery that you had of what you needed to do, mm-hmm. nobody owes you anything. Did you have it as a Green Beret? Did they instill it in you as a Green Beret? And did you lose it temporarily and then it came back? I'm trying to figure out the origin of that. No, the origin, the origin of that came, um, in the hospital after I got blown up and, um, and it was, it, it was, you know, I was going through a really dark time and it was my dad that actually, um, had talked to me about it. And, um, it basically, he said, Hey, you know, we, we gotta have a talk cause you're, you're going to a really dark place right now. And he said, um, you know, the injury that happened to you, that, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was bad, but it's not the worst injury that's, that's ever happened. And it won't be the last one. Um, plenty of guys have gotten hurt and, um, there, nothing makes you special about it. He said, but you have two choices right now. He said, you can, you can become a victim of this injury. You can let this injury run your life. You can be, you, you, you will always be, um, stuck September 12th. 2010 you'll never move on from that day and you'll push people away and you'll and you'll go into you know um a depression in these dark places because you'll be entitled and victimized by your injury because you want to force people to know what you've been through and what you sacrifice for them and they can't they can't even you know someone can tell you you know thank you so much for everything you've sacrificed for me until they're blue in the face but you can never feel entitlement it's impossible and he said so as you continue down that road you're going to continue pushing people away and um you're going to segregate you know you're going to segregate yourself and next thing you know there's going to come a time when you're all alone you're at a very, very dark place in your in in your mind and in your life, and you're probably going to end it because that's what happens when people um, go down the, the the route you are, and it starts off with what you're doing right now. You're being an entitled victim. Um, nobody owes you anything. All right, so you got you got blown up in Afghanistan. Congratulations. A lot of people get hurt all the time. Why do you know? Why do you think you're owed something? You think you're the only person that's ever gotten hurt? It's like, that's, that's pretty selfish and you need to get over yourself. Um, he said, what I recommend is you have another path. The, f- the road is forked right now. And he said, the other path you can take is you can use this injury to make yourself stronger. You can use this injury to, you know, renew your relationship with God. You can use this injury, you know, all those things when you were, you were laying on the ground there by the Hellman river, thinking you were going to die and wishing you didn't do this, this, or this. He's like, you got the, you, you got the, the reset button. Most men in life will never get to reset and go back and, um, and, and change their ways. You got it. You were, you should be dead. You're not, you got the reset button, all those things, those regrets that you had, you can change all that. You can make yourself stronger. And he said, but don't do it for you. Make yourself stronger to help other people. Um, you have that. You're you're at that fork in the road. I know we were going to get here. You're there. But it's up to you which direction you want to go. I highly warn you against uh, taking the entitled victimized route because you're not going to make it through it. You're not strong enough mentally to, to live to be an old man. Um, so that conversation there just – 
you know, mm-hmm. and again, it's it's not like my entire life changed. I mean, it's life. You're you're constantly battling. Um, but that's what kind of got me started on the path of of you know taking my life back and um understanding that you know you're not owed anything and um oh yeah can, okay so you got hurt that, that's life man lots lots of people get hurt and banged up in life lots of people go through some really really bad times um it's it's life get over yourself you're not any more important than anybody else out there so quit thinking you are quit thinking people owe you something um, and so that, that was what kind of, you know, I didn't realize that I had an entitled victimized, you know, type of mindset until I went through that really dark time after getting injured. That's when I realized like, oh, uh, I, I I've got some, I, I've got some major holes in my life. I need to, <laughs> I need to patch up here. And it took an injury, um, for me to actually see that. And a lot of people, you know, they may not understand this when I, when I say it, but, um, stepping on that IED probably saved my life because I was forced to, I was forced to take care of myself mentally when I never had the chance to do it before. Cause I was so busy with being a green beret in life that I never really focused on who I was. And again, it wasn't an overnight thing. I mean, hell it's 13 years later and I'm sitting back and I'm still learning lessons like, Oh, wow yeah, that makes sense now. Got it. Or, you know, I need to adjust fire here or tighten up my shot group there. But, um, but that's the amazing thing about life is we're, we're constantly learning. It's not boring if you don't let it be. I I agree. Do you mind if I ask a question, doc? Thanks. Uh, so, uh, what, what your dad gave you as advice was freaking amazing. Now, Mm -hmm. Can can you put uh, someone else in that position? Uh, not your dad. Was was it only your dad that could have said that for you to, in that moment, get some traction on it? What if it would have been a random guy down the street, or or in in a hospital, if someone would have sauntered down and walked into the wrong room and they didn't know you and they saw that you were struggling a bit? What if someone else would have delivered that message that you weren't uh, familiar with? Um, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the same as coming from my dad. Cause I know, you know, I know my dad's past and I know that, you know, he's been, um, through some, through some very, very tough times in his life. And he, and he never took the victim role of it. So, um, it is, it is one of those conversations that you have to be, you have to be very careful with how you deliver it because you, you can definitely come off hostile, but no, um, with all the medication I was on and the narcotics I was on, um, no, that that came at a perfect timing from the only person that it probably would have got through to me. Roger that. That's incredible stuff. Um, well, that's a good segue. I guess once again, landmineremoval.org. The name of the book is Tip of the Spear, the incredible story of an injured Green Beret returned to battle. I know we're heading towards the tail end here. We've got about another 10 or 15 minutes, I think. Are you good on time, Shill, Sean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got about another 15 minutes myself. You too, Ryan? You're good? Okay. Yes. Um, you mentioned empowerment. I thought this was very interesting because you said working or living not for me, but living for we empowers individuals. And how did that, how would you describe the empowering for you? What did you feel like when you, did you feel like you could do more things? Did you feel more liberated? What did empowering feel for you? So when I, when I realized that it wasn't about me 
the world and, and, and people, people have heard this a million times, but it's different. There, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Um, but when, when I finally was able to, to understand um, the saying that we've all heard, the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, when I finally understood that, and when I finally understood the fact that you're only a part of this, you are not the whole thing. And, and it, and it is, it, it rolls back to that entitlement. Um, a lot of entitled people think that the world revolves around them or they're owed something because of filling all the blanks that you want to, when you're, when you realize that you're only a piece of the puzzle or you're a part of something and you are stronger when it's we, than it's me. Um, that's, that's, again, that's, uh, when life starts to become just the, just a little bit easier. I mean, it, it, it's still hard, but, um, when you can, when you don't have to take that burden on alone, when there, when, when, when you understand we, and that tribe mentality, um, yeah, life, life becomes a lot simpler and we, and that, and, and, and that, that tribe mentality, that understanding, with you understanding that you're also helping other people too. Um, because it is, it's, it's, it's a, we, it's a, we over me. And, um, I know, and I know in the teams, um, we over me is it, I mean, it's critical, especially in combat. Um, there's not a lot, there, there's not a lot of me's running around special operations. I mean, there's, there's some, but there's not a lot, um, because we's don't, I mean, we's is how, you know, the, we mentality is how you're going to survive. Um, there's, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Um, we over me is, yeah, it's, it, it's simple to say, but it, it definitely is. It's, 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 um, and there's also, there's also a, um, there's also a vulnerability that you have to accept. Um, a lot of people, um, they think that being vulnerable is a negative thing. Being vulnerable is dangerous, but there's strength through vulnerability. Um, and you can't take chances and you can't take risks, um, healthy, healthy risks. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, go running through a, through a anti-personnel minefield to see what happens, but you know, you're, you're, you're not going to test the limits of your life and really be able to help other people. Um, if you don't understand, um, strength through vulnerability. So, and, and it is, and part of, part of that is also opening yourself up. Um, another part of, uh, we over me is, is, is you have to be emotionally available for, for people. No one's going to, there's, there's not a lot of people that are going to trust somebody that is just telling you something straight out of a book, whether it's mental health or self-help or anything like that. And they're reading it to you and you go home and you're like, wow that was horrible. Um, there is, there is, there's, there's an emotional, there's an emotional aspect to it and emotions are vulnerable are, are vulnerabilities. So, um, that's another thing that, you know, um, and I struggle with it a lot cause you know, not a lot of team guys like to like to be vulnerable, but there's strength through vulnerability. And, um, and you know, that's another thing that I talk to guys about, but part of being, we is there is some vulnerability to it and you're taking a risk. Um, but it's, it's worth it. And it's, and it's, and it's really the only way you're going to, um, be able to go at this, whether it's mental health or just life in general, in general, because not one person can burden the entire load. It's, it's impossible.
That's a great agreed. Point. And and on uh, on that vulnerability point, I think it's critical that everyone understands that if you are being vulnerable, you're being courageous. And as mm-hmm. you're being courageous, you're building your resilience. And it's a it's a funny little loop that builds on itself. The more you can be vulnerable, the more courageous you are. Is the more you're vulnerable you can be, the more courageous you are. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost that you are going to become resilient. You are going to become a better person if you just stay in the loop of adding a little bit of vulnerability uh, out there into the world. That vulnerability, uh, myself, I'm trying, like yourself, I struggle with it. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be really open and transparent and vulnerable to the internet uh, and, and the the roles that I have lived in through my various careers. And it's tough, man. Like uh, it, the ego is a wicked thing that will fight mm-hmm. against uh, the, 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 the ability to be vulnerable and uh, but it does take a lot of courage and i think that that's a really really powerful tool uh for sure yeah ego is all me that mm, egos revolve true. around me mm-hmm. and one of the great things about that uh, what you said in respect to being vulnerable uh at, within a we team is the moment that you start or not specifically for speaking to yourself i'm speaking to anyone out there who's listening the moment that you're more vulnerable uh, is is an opportunity for those around you to see that it's okay to be vulnerable. And then the we team starts recognizing that, well, we can all be just a little bit more vulnerable. It's okay to do it as as a we. And I, I find that building a team of vulnerable individuals who are respected, either leaders in their community or are respected amongst their peers to some degree, simply builds the team up into be more transparent and caring for each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for people listening, vulnerability doesn't mean weak. It True. doesn't mean weak. Agreed. Um, yeah. The, 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 the strongest people in the world um, that I know are the ones that are capable of inflicting um, mass violence if they needed to, but they don't. They're the people that are, they are, are emotionally there and they have compassion they have empathy and they have all that but it doesn't mean you're weak don't ever be weak because being weak will make you a victim you have to be you you have to be able to understand that it, it vulnerability does not mean weakness so, i agree so, some of the language that is used some of the words out there that are used uh are are it's when i first started using them myself i i struggled man i I was feeling a bit weak by talking about being weak and and it's not weak at all. But initially in the early phases, these words of being vulnerable, like I, I wanted to turn a, uh, turn a 180 and run away uh, the first time someone said, dude, you just got to be vulnerable. Uh, it was just, uh, it was, <laughs> these were words that yeah. I wasn't used to, but you have to have the courage to embrace the, the adversity of the moment, the psychological uh, disconnect from really what we should be doing in life, and that's being courageously vulnerable for sure. Yep, that's yep. interesting. That's oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's to... no, absolutely. I was just going to say it's interesting because it reminded me. I don't know how I got over here, but I got over here. Um, the ethos of an old TV show called Kung Fu. You guys remember that one? Oh yeah, David remember? Carradine. No, <laughs> remember that? Yeah, it's yeah. One of the few shows that Kwai Chang Kane. Kwai Chang. <laughs> That's right. One of the few shows that showed martial arts in the way that I've always embodied it or envisioned it, which was just like Ryan said, I know I can hurt you. 
but he didn't want to. He didn't want to engage in any of the fights unless there was some kind of severe injustice he was going to jump in. But most of the time, he didn't want to get involved. And every black belt that I've ever talked to, soft guys included, um, they don't get into things they don't need to get into. Mm-hmm. They don't worry about their ego. I know I can destroy you right now in probably a half a second, but there's no point. <laughs> there's no point in doing this. Maybe this person's drunk. Maybe this person's that. I'm not going to engage. And to me, I see you're putting yourself on the line vulnerably, right? Because everybody's going to look at you. Oh, you're a wimp. You're this and that. But in your mm-hmm. heart, you know, you're strong enough. I can take care of this guy and everybody else around me if I had to. But I don't because that's the stronger guy in me. I don't know. It reminded me of that. I don't know if that resonates at all. or Maybe I'm too far off. It does with me. No, it no, it absolutely does. I mean, being able, um, you're being able to um, immediately inflict violence of action on somebody if you need to protect your family or your way of life, um, life limb and eyesight, or somebody else um, that you know that that can't do that for themselves. Um, that is absolutely critical to not becoming a victim. But being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're weak. Um, and walking around and kicking everybody's ass because you think you can, that's, that's weakness. That's weakness. You have something going on that you're trying to make up for. Um, but no, um, that's, that's what I tell guys, you know, strength through vulnerability doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to let somebody walk all over you. That's, that, that's not the case at all. Um, it, but it also doesn't mean, you know, if a guy walked in to the bar and wanted to pick a fight with me and I can walk out, it's like, all right, man, yeah, you're, you're, you're a badass. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't care. Is is it? I don't have anything to prove to you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to involve myself in that. The, you know, um, maybe I'm, maybe it's the 44, you know, that I am or whatnot, but the, the, the ego that I had as a kid, which was, which surrounded me not we, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't serve anything, but you corner me or you put your hands on my family. Well, then you're going to see that you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. That being vulnerable doesn't mean you're weak. And so that's the one thing that I tell guys, vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. Um, it just, there's strength through vulnerability and you have to understand that. And, and, and that word vulnerable is um, it's, it, it, it's, it's a nasty word in a lot of, you know, either special operations or whatnot. It's the same thing as fail, you know, fail like, oh man, you're, you're ruined. Why? What happens if you learn from that failure? What happens if you take the, uh, if you take the lessons from, from, you know, that failure and you make yourself stronger Then it was failure actually that bad. A lot of people, a lot of people that are great, great leaders, in life have failed more than they succeeded, but they learned from them. But vulnerability yeah, my, and, fa- and failing, they're, they're just taboo words. <laughs> yeah. And, and I actively pursue failure, uh, mm-hmm. most days. And, and I have a little, uh, motto in my head. I like, I like to kick ass. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 60 years old uh, this year and I, and I still like to kick ass, but the ass that I'm kicking is my own. I'm, I'm kicking my own ass in life, and and I've said it before to to other folks, but uh, there is also the part where, where I'm trying to kick my ass in life's ass, and that means all the people around me. Like I'm trying to pursue a pace that raises the boats all around me through kicking my own arse and demonstrating that that's just how I live my life. Uh, and mm-hmm. if someone wants to hop on board of kicking life's ass as well, then I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I think we're down to the last few, few minutes. Again, folks, you can find more information at landmineremoval.org, landmineremoval.org. If you feel motivated, and I hope you do, donate and help them out in any way possible. Tip of the Spear is the name of the book, The Incredible Story of an Injured Green Beret's Return to Battle. You know, we're down to our last few minutes. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into engage any big questions, but you mentioned failed. Did you have anybody who told you when you said, I want to go back after the IED incident and you went back again to return to battle? Did, did, did you hear people tell you, Ryan, you ain't going to do it, brother. Just let it go. Oh, yeah. Did, <laughs> and if you did, what did you say to yourself? Um. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean... I had people telling me, Hey, look, you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, management expectation. This is huge. You're, you know, you're not, you're not going back. Um, this injury, you're, you're going to be lucky to ever walk unassisted again. Um, you know, it just, you need to control your mental health management expectation. Get this out of your head. This, you know, um, you, you need to understand that it's done even to the point to where I was medically retired. And then I came back, to active duty on a waiver. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there, there, there was definitely, um, a lot of people that were trying to look out for my mental health saying, Hey, like you need to understand it's done. You need to refocus on something else. And, um, you know, but then there was a few people that said, Hey, why not give it a shot, man? You never know, you know, who knows? And, um, and it was, and it was that drive. It, it was just a couple people, um, my, my physical therapist and my orthopedic surgeon, it's just a couple people that said, yeah, I mean, it's life, man. Give it a shot. You never know. Maybe. And then I ended up going back to Afghanistan seven times. So, um, so it's, you know, it, it and it's, it, and it's not, you know, this, oh man, and you're, you know, you did something that was absolutely unheard of, blah, 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 blah. You're, you're the superhuman or anything. Not at all. Not, not even close. Um, what it is, is I, you know, the biggest thing I stopped doing was feeling sorry for myself. And I, I started understanding like, you know what, I'm going to give this everything I got. I'm going to dump everything I have into it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, at least I know I tried and I gave it everything I had. I didn't hold any reservations back. And if it doesn't work, then let me figure out what my path is. But right now, um, this is my path. And and people, you know, um, a lot of people say that my mindset on this is wrong. But they said, well, what was your backup plan or your alternative? And I said, I didn't have one. Because when times get really, really tough, if you have a backup plan, when the pain and the despair and everything gets to a gets gets overwhelming, you're going to take that backup plan. If you don't have a backup plan, then you're going to continue moving forward until you just physically there is just no way in God's um, green earth that you're going to be able to continue on. It is not possible. Period. Well, then, okay, you gave it everything you had. You had no backup plan. You had no alternative anything. This was it. It didn't work out. And in the end, like my dad told me, you know, when you're that old man sitting on your rocking chair, looking back at your life on the things that you did or the worst, what you didn't do, you'll be able to look back on this and know that you gave it everything you had and it just wasn't in the cards. And that you'll sit back and you'll feel good about yourself. You did it a life worth or well-lived and he gave it everything he had. 
Yeah, I love that. That's uh, man, that's so powerful. You crystallized how I'm trying to live my life. You just said it's so much better. I do have a quick question for you. I know we're running out of time, Doc. Would you would you mind just uh, quickly touching on um, your observations of the folks who were telling you, no, you can't do this, man. It's impossible and all of that good stuff. Just trying to really discourage you from uh, heading down the uh, path that you chose to like get after it. Um, how did those people respond? So um, they they thought that they had my well-being um, and my mental health in mind. Hey, you're setting yourself up for failure. You are putting all of your emotions into this and it's not going to happen. You're getting me- you're getting medically retired. Like you need you need to focus on something else. Let us help you. So um, they, you know. They thought that what they were doing was beneficial to me. And in a way, you know, you do have to have management expectation of your life. Um, but when, you know, as, 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 as things started to, um, um, take shape and now, you know, okay, I'm, uh, okay. I get re- the army decides, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a waiver to stay on active duty. All right. Yeah. You're moving through physical therapy. Things are going in this direction. Then, you know, the, the cheerleading squad gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger, but, um, I do understand, you know, their, the, the motive behind what they were doing is because, uh, management ex- expectation is extremely important, um, for mental health. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't, I mean, there, there was a couple people at the end that were just like, I just didn't think this was possible. Like, I, okay. I was wrong. My apologies. I was wrong, but, um, I didn't do it for them. You know, right. whatever yeah, people had to say for say for me, and nobody was malicious about it. Um, um, so yeah, I did it. I did it for me. Um, if you, it, you know, there's no way in hell I would have put that kind of blood, sweat, tons of tears into something like that if I was doing it for somebody else. No, no, you got to do it for yourself, or you're you're not going to do it. Roger that. Awesome stuff. Again, folks, I mean, it's really an amazing conversation. Uh, Sean, you brought this interview to another notch, another level. I can't thank you enough for that. Ryan, like always, it's always a pleasure and an honor to speak with you, my friend. Again, folks, it's landmineremoval.org. Tip of the spear, the incredible story of an injured Green Beret's return to battle. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you so much again for coming back. Yeah, no, this this was awesome. I, I appreciate you having me back on. I love love talking with you. And by the way, Ryan, I don't think I've ever told you, I show clips of your incredible story to my class every semester when we deal about resilience and trauma and how people overcome things. And mm-hmm. each and every time the class just gets blown away when they see the clips of the interview and they're like, so, you know, yeah, next time well, hopefully they don't something. get blown away. That's, that's yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad That's a great way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Sean, as well, for joining me on this. Thanks, pal. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You know what to do. Share, subscribe, hit that like button. You know we like it. And go check out LandmineRemoval.org. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.